All right. We're in a series called Joy for the Journey in the book of Philippians. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. How many of you are control freaks? Raise your hand. Well, you're afraid if you raise your hand, you won't be in control because I'll know it then. All right. We're going to talk, today we're going to talk about control freaks. Control freak. Let me ask you another question. How many of you ever worry, get upset, get nervous, are afraid or have stress in your life? Raise your hand. All right, you're a control freak. You're a control freak. Worry and stress and anxiety and fear and nervousness, those are the badges of a control freak. All, you know what the word all means? All. All worry, anxiety, fear, stress come from one thing only. Wanting to control what you can't control. All that stuff comes from that. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Let's look at the control freak. Philippians chapter 1. By the way, our goal is to set you free because the truth will set you free and you will be free indeed. Y'all wave at the plane up there. That's one of them little experimental jobs. Wave wave him that way. Wave him that way. That'd be good. All right. Philippians chapter one, written by a man named Paul the Apostle. I want you to see what it says. Just a few verses. Philippians one, verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me, which were very bad, have actually turned out for good, the furtherance of the gospel. It's become evident to the whole palace, guard, all the guards, to everybody else that my chains are in Christ. He was in prison. Most of the brethren are confident by my chains, much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some preach Christ from envy and strife, some from goodwill. The former preach Christ selfishly. They're not sincere. They're trying to hurt me. They're trying to add afflictions to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in precepts or in truth, Christ is preached. In this I rejoice, and yes, I will Rejoice. Here's the text. This man has been lied about. Uh, Some jealous men have lied about him. They trumped up charges. He's been arrested by the Roman government for sedition of the government, government subversion. He's going to be tried. These are serious charges. If he's found guilty, he'll be put to death. And he was found guilty and he was put to death. So he's in prison. They've lied about him. It's unjust. And not only that, This man is a bishop over many churches and he cares about these churches. And these same men that have lied about him are destroying his churches. They're going from church to church saying that he's a con man. He steals your money. He's a dishonest man. He's a liar. And they're destroying his churches. There's nothing he can do about it. And he's hung out to dry. So he's been lied about. He's in trouble. That which he loves the most. In other words, his circumstances are bad. And it's not his fault either. Now, here's the question. Here's what you notice about this guy in the middle of this thing. He hadn't got a care in the world. He's at perfect peace. He's not worried. He's not upset. He's not bothered. Over and over, you just hear the joy. He said, I just rejoice. I'm so happy. I'm so full of joy. And you just wonder what in the world is going on in this man's life that he could be like this. Now, question. Why'd God put this in the Bible? Why is this in the Bible? Remember, the Bible is not a history book, although it's historically accurate. God put this in the Bible because the Bible is God speaking to you. 
And he's saying two things through this passage. And here they are. Number one, he's saying to you, there is a place, no matter what your circumstances are, where you don't have a care in this world. You're not the least bit worried. You're not afraid. You're not nervous. There's no stress. You're in perfect peace and perfect joy. I don't care what's going on around you. There is a place you can live like that. We need this today in our land for what's going on. There's a place when they're all hell around you and you're at perfect peace on the inside and nothing out there is bothering you in here. There's a place. Number two, here's what else he's saying. I want you to live here. I want you to live like this right here. Now, let me just mention a couple of things that Jesus said. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this. Live your life worried for nothing. Now you may not know how to do it yet, but wouldn't that be cool? Could you imagine? I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And Jesus said unto them, I say unto you, do not worry about anything in life. In verse 29, he said, I say unto you, do not have an anxious mind. What's the will of Jesus for your life? No worry, no anxiety, enjoy your life. You said, Brother Brian, who can enjoy their lives with things going on right now? What was going on in his life? I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest truths you'll ever hear. This won't get you into heaven. This will get heaven into you on the way to heaven. This message won't get you out of hell. But it'll get the hell out of you on the way to glory. I mean, this is the bonus glory right here. This is one of the best messages, one of the best truths we've ever heard in our lives. All righty. I want you to live like this. Now, is it, is it possible to really live just so different today that people look at you and wonder, what, what is it with this guy? Right, let me ask you a question. Luke chapter 11, did Jesus not tell me and you to pray like this? Listen, I'm gonna quote Luke 11 too. Jesus said, when you pray, say this. Didn't he tell us how to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He tell us to pray that. All right, let me ask you a question. Is anybody worried in heaven? Anybody fearful in heaven? Anybody mad in heaven? Anybody upset in heaven? Is there peace in heaven? Joy, wonder, thy kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. The kingdom is not coming to the earth, but it's coming right here in the earth. I can't control that out there. I do control this right here. And though I can't bring his kingdom to my society, I can bring it to my heart and mind and my house if they'll cooperate. All right, very simple. Here's the how. This, this is so simple, the how. In verse 13, he said, I'm in prison. My chains are in Christ. I've been arrested. I'm in trouble. Verse 16, he told me and you, they're tearing my churches up. The people that I love are being destroyed and I can't get out of here and stop it. All right, all this mess in his life. Question, what was his response? How did he respond to all these bad things? The answer's in verse 18. Two words, and I want you to look at these two words. Now listen, I'm going to give you two words today. These words will change your life right here. What was his response to all this bad stuff going on in his life in verse 18? What's the first two words? Does it say what then? Well, me and you don't talk like that. What would our equivalent be today of what then? So what? What if you came up to me and you just started telling me all these terrible things happening in your family and you slowed down and I said, so what? <laughs> that ain't the right response for a monster, is it? Let me give you a little translation of the words, what then? There's two literal translations. One is this. I'm not in control. 
Or here's how it would be translated today. Those are not my problems. They said, but the man did have problems. No, he didn't. You know why he didn't have problems? Because he had transferred his problems and the care of his life to God the Father. And he didn't have any problems because God had them now. I would like to recommend, since you're not doing so good at handling your problems, why don't you let somebody else handle them that is fully well able? He created the sunrise. I can't find my car keys. Who you reckon ought to be running the show? This man, listen, his life was a mess. It was terrible. And you know what he said? He's just sitting there excited, having the best time saying, I don't have a care in the world. I don't have any problems. Not my concern. What then? And he transferred it. Therefore, he could go on and enjoy his life. Now, here's the, uh, here's the simple how. I want you to turn one page to Philippians 4. This also is in the book. Now, remember, Philippians is the book of joy in life, joy for the journey. This is one of the greatest treasures you'll ever be given. I'm going to throw a few in before we get there. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord when everything's hunky-dory. What does it say? What about when things are bad? Y'all are so spiritual out here on a Sunday. Rejoice in the Lord always. Verse five, let your laid back, relaxed spirit be known to all men because God is standing right beside you. The Lord is at hand. Now here's the key, verse six. Be worried for nothing. Doesn't mean you don't care, but in everything. Tell me what the word everything means. Big stuff like your kid's in trouble. Little stuff like you don't understand. In everything by prayer, supplication, you give it to God. Make your request known unto God with thanksgiving. And if you'll do that, what's the promise of verse seven? A peace will come over you and replace the worry, the fear, the anxiety, the stress will disappear. The stress will disappear and you can live your life in the peace of God. But what do you have to do in verse six to enjoy that? There has to be a literal transfer of your problems. Not, you can't do it all at once. It has to be problem by problem. There has to be a literal transfer where you take that thing and you do what? You transfer it to God. And how do you do it? You do it through prayer. Does it say with whining? With thanksgiving. Let's look at the parallel verse. Turn to 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7 will transform your life on this planet like no other verse will. If you'll practice one verse, 1 Peter 5, 7 will change your day-to-day -day life like no thing will on this earth. It won't change your eternity, but it'll change your daily life. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, casting. You know what casting is? Well, I ain't got nothing I can throw up here. I ain't throwing these microphones. They're too expensive. Cast means to just pitch it. Just throw it, cast it, like you cast a stone. Casting what? All your cares upon him. Tell me why you can do that. What's the rest of the verse? He cares about your stuff. What if you did that to every issue of your life? Everything that came up, money problems, child problems, health problems, national. What if you took everything? As soon as it came, you just said, I, I don't want this. And you just threw it over to him. Let me ask you a question. If you pitch your problems to him, do you have them anymore? Who's got them? So you don't have a care in this world, do you? If you've cast them on him, do you have a care in this world? Wouldn't this be good? Wouldn't it be great to live like this? Man just cast all of his cares, just send them all over. Let me, let me, 
this is what nobody ever taught me this as a young man. So I lived a lot of time, even as a preacher, I lived my life worried and concerned and bought, you know, serious, serious. Well, why don't we just start calling it what it is? Worried, beat down, heavy. And I finally learned this from God's word. Let me tell you what I've learned to do in my life. When a problem would come up with my kids, I'd just get on my knee and I'd say, Father, thank you for caring about my family. Thank you for caring about me. Now I've got this problem with a child and I don't enjoy handling it. Not only that, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not God and I don't know what to do anyway. So in the name of Jesus right now, I take this care and I just hand it to you and I just take my hand. I just go like that right there. And then I say with my mouth, I praise you and thank you. It's not my problem anymore. Thank you that it's your problem now. Hallelujah. Thank you for handling my problems and I get up and go on my way. And you know what? There's this guy called Hornyhead. Before long, he'll come back and say, what you going to do about this? And th listen, this is where faith comes in. And I just say, I don't have a problem. He said, now you lie. I don't have a problem. I gave that to God last Thursday night at 8.05 on my office floor. He's got it. You need to go see him. Yeah, go talk to him because I don't have any problems anymore. Now, I pastor a large church and I don't know if you know this about churches, but that's where crazy people come. And they love to create grief for whoever's in charge. <clears throat> and one of, the reasons, one of the reasons I don't look like the average preacher is because I'm still enjoying my life. Because let me tell you what I've learned. Anytime I have a problem in my church, I'll, I'll listen and act real concerned for a little bit. But just quick as I can, I'm going to find me a quiet place. I'm going to say, now, Father, I got this problem in my church. Sister Smell Fungus is on a jag again. <laughs> or Whatever. I don't care, whatever. And I'll just say, now, you know, I can't handle this and I'm not God anyway. So in the name of Jesus, at 3.05, right here on this floor, I give this to you and I just do like that right there. And then I say, I want to praise you and thank you. It's not my problem. If the whole thing falls apart, it's none of my business anymore. It's your church. You take care of it. God bless you. And get him just go on. And every time it comes back up, what you going to do about this? I just say to myself, now you got to remember it was 3.05 last Tuesday. When you gave that to God and he's had it ever since, I don't care how I feel, truth stands no matter how I feel. And I just give it to him and there it is, going and enjoy my life. Listen to me, if this whole church fails, that's none of my responsibility. My job is to do what he tells me to do. That's what it means to cast your cares upon the Lord and give them to him. Therefore, because this man had taken his problems and said, I give them to you. He's the one that wrote that in Philippians. So I give them to you. Guess what he knew? That's why he could say in verse 12, the things that have happened to me, the bad things have actually turned out for good. Guess where he got that from? This is the same man who wrote Romans 8, 28. Listen to this. You need to get to this place right here in your life. We know. We don't wish. We don't hope. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. Not all things are good, but God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are living according to His purpose. So if you love God and you'll follow Him, you have the right at any time in your life with any problem you have to give it to Him. Tell me what He, after that, what happens then? I know, I know, I know that I know that He's working to cause all things to work together for good because I love him. I'm called according to his purpose and I have cast that on him. 
Now, this man who wrote Philippians, he didn't get out of prison. He got executed. Just said, well, it's terrible. It didn't work out. What are you reading right now? Are you not reading the number one all-time best-selling book that he wrote that's changed millions of lives through the ages? That sounds pretty good to me. And besides, you say, well, he died. What do you mean he died? Sounded to me like he got promoted. In chapter two, he said to depart and be with Christ is far better. Matter of fact, I'd rather go there. Well, we'll just let the Romans send you to cast it on him and just give it to him and let him handle the thing like that. That's why, that's why the man could say, I don't have a care in the world. That's why all through this book, you just hear rejoicing and joy, peace, not the least bit upset because he'd cast everything in his life on him. All right, <clears throat> let me tell you something here. Will you do something for me? I'm waiting on your answer. Will you do something for me? All right, good. You can do this later on. Do it at, do it at work tomorrow. You on Facebook at work anyway. Do something to help you. I want you to take a piece of paper. I want you to draw a line right down the middle of it in two columns. On the left column, I want you to write at the top what I can control. Over the other column, I want you to write these words, what I cannot control. And I want you to make those two lists. Let me tell you what you're going to find. And I've meditated this for years. Through the years, I've only found five things that I'm in control of. Five. No more. And you're going to find the same thing if you tell the truth. And in that left column, here's the five things you're going to find. Number one, I am in control of my thoughts. I am totally in control of what I think. I know we call it the focus of life, whatever I focus on. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are inspiring, whatever things are honorable, pure, beautiful, encouraging, excellent, make me want to shout, praiseworthy. Spend your time thinking on these things. What if you obeyed that one verse? I'm in charge of my thinking. Now you can grip my thoughts for a minute, but I can always go back to what I want to. Number one, I'm in charge of my thinking. Number two, I am in control of my attitude. I can whine or I can shine. I can complain and groan and... Uh, better think of a better word than saying that in church. Or I can rejoice in the Lord always. I'm in complete control of my attitude. Complete. Number three, I'm in complete control of my words. I get to choose everything I say and nobody can make me say anything I don't want to. Turn to your wife and say, it really wasn't you, sweetheart. How many of you'd like to have a good life? That wasn't hard. How many of you'd like to have a good life? Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.10. He who would enjoy his life and see good days... I mean, if you'd like to enjoy your life and see good days, he who would like to enjoy his life and see good days, listen to what it says. Get control of your tongue. You want a great life? Get control of your tongue. Number four, I am in control. One, two, three, four. I am in control of my decisions. I get to make my own decisions. You might can push me and tell me what to do, but I'm in control of my decisions. And number five, the only other thing I'm in control of is my eternal destiny. Nobody will decide except me where I spend eternity. I'll spend it in heaven or hell and nobody can make that decision for me. That's the five things I'm in control of. And that's the only five things I'm responsible for on this planet. I encourage you to make a list. And you, if you find anything else you're in total control of, send me a note. I'd like to know what it is. 
All right, on that other side, that other column, I'm not going to read your mind because it's long, long, long. The things I am not in control of. Guess what's at the top of the list that I'm not in control of? Who said other people? You win the hat. I am not in control of other people. I have no control over what people do. What happens to people who try to control other people? Mm -mm -mm. No, wonder you, no wonder you're drinking Maalox like Diet Pepsi. I'm not in control of other people. I'm not in control of my circumstances much. I have a little bit of control, but as a general rule, I'm not even in control of my circumstances. So there's nothing I can do about most stuff that goes on around me. Number three, I am not in control of my future. I put it in God's hands, but I'm not in control of it. I'm going to honor him. Number four, I am not in control of this society. I have no control over what this kingdom does down here. He said, Brother Brian, God's in control. No, he's not. The Bible does not say that God's in control. We sing a song at Christmas that says, He rules the world. No, he doesn't. The Bible's very clear. If you want to find out who's running this society, look up 1 John 5, 19 sometime. We know that we are of God, but the whole world lies under the control of the evil one. Chew on that for a while. I'm not in control of this society. Therefore, there's nothing I can do to change it. Well, we could go on and on with this list. There's several other things I'm not in control of. I'm not in control of the economy, but his eyes on the sparrow and I know he watches over me. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I'm not in control of whether this church succeeds or not. That's why I enjoy preaching. If it makes it to God be the glory, if it dies tomorrow and we go bankrupt and they put a tobacco warehouse here to God be the glory, it's none of my business. I mean, I hope it makes it, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but what can I do to make y'all do right? All I can do is just love you, pray for you and preach. That's what I'm in control of. You in control of the rest. That's not my problem. My daughter, I asked her one day, I said, sweetheart, what is this? And she said, them ain't my monkeys and this ain't my circus. Don't be asking me. You need to remember that. And you need to, everybody practice this with me. What then? So what? Not my problem. If it's not one of them five things, you're not in control. And best thing you can do is just turn it over. Say, I'm not in charge of this right here. I could do a few more. My family, I love my family, but I'm not in control. I mean, they're grown now. I can't even tell them when to come home. I had one I was never in control of. Did the other two pretty good when they was young. I'm not in control of the weather. I'm trying to mow yesterday and it rained and no matter how much I rebuked it, I got soaked. I'm not in control of my age. They talk about getting old. They call it the golden years. It's rust. There ain't nothing golden about it. And I'm going into old age leaving claw marks in the concrete. But since there ain't but one option, I had to be here. I'm not in control. You'd be surprised at the stuff I'm not in control of. And here's what I've decided. What I can control, I will. My thoughts, my words, my attitude, my decisions, and my eternal destiny. And the rest of it is not my monkey. I'm not in charge anymore. And that's it. All right, I'm going to give you a, a, a formula. And let me tell you what I've learned. Once I've cast something on the Lord... No matter how much horny head gets in my ear and in my head, I am not taking it back. We used to sing an old song, went like this. 
Leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you'll trust and never doubt, God will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there for about 30 minutes. Then you pick them back up. No, 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 that's not right. I've learned once I cast it on him, don't call me. That ain't my monkey and that ain't my circus anymore. Here's your formula. If you will surrender control of your life forever to God equals you will enjoy your life. And can I throw in something else here? I will enjoy you more too. How many of you wish you had more control freaks around you? Is there anyone? I don't see that hand out there anywhere. All righty. Let me quit by saying this. One of the greatest prayers ever been prayed. Uh, many people say it came out of Alcoholics Anonymous. Actually, it was written by a theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr years ago. And some of you quote this in your weekly meetings. And it goes like this. Father, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. It's one of the greatest prayers. That's the prayer used in Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12-step program. When I was in, this is what we prayed all the time. One of the greatest prayers you'll ever pray is every day of your life, just stand up and say, what I can't control, give me grace to let go. What I should control, give me strength to do. And in Jesus' name, give me enough sense to know I can't run that teenager's life. I can't even get my dog shut up. So as the Bible says, if you cannot handle the least of these, why would you concern yourself with the more? Now, if you're sitting there thinking, that sounds like irresponsibility to me. Raise your hand again since you're a control freak. God put me on this planet to enjoy him and enjoy my life. And the chief aim of man is to glorify God by enjoying him and what he gave forever. And a control freak cannot enjoy what God gave them. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you. Thank God, hallelujah, deliver us from dead religion. I thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I thank you and I'm gonna pray this prayer over the folks you said, come to me, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and stressed and fearful and worried, come to me take my yoke upon you. Let me take over. Learn from me. You'll find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy. My burden is light and you will live rested and refreshed. Thank you for the promise of Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. I've decided to live like that. I give you all the praise and glory. Lord Jesus, sweep across this crowd on the parking lot. Those watching by TV, online, draw them to yourself right now. Friend, if you've never made God your father by putting your faith in Jesus, now's the time to do it. I want to pray a simple prayer with you. And if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, be forgiven of your sins and have God as your father, I want you to pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus said, whoever calls on me, I will in no wise turn out. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sins because you love me. I ask you to forgive me all my sins right now. I ask you to come into my heart by faith today. Today I declare you are my Savior, my Lord, and the love of my life from now on. Thank you, Jesus.
for saving my soul, becoming my father, and being the best friend I ever had. I love you and praise you. I'm going to follow you. And I can't wait to see you face to face one day. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.